0: Let's do that hockey.
1: Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is report number 45. I'm Victor Nunez, one of the co-hosts here, and with me is Peter Harling. How are you doing, Pete? Victor, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I mean, obviously a little disappointed that my Niners lost, but I was kind of prepared for it, so it's all good. I think that's football.
2: I'm also disappointed that my Terriers lost in the bean pot this last night and they really should have won that game. But we're going to have a whole episode talking about that. So I'll save that for the for the content.
1: Yeah, I think we all wanted BC BU and that is not what we got. We also kind of wanted one of those BC or BU teams to win. That's also not what we got. So here we are.
2: Yeah, just Northeastern dominating like they've been doing all decade.
1: Yeah, well. We're going to talk about that in today's report. That's uh, the spoiler. We're going to talk about the bean pot. And we got a great guest, Russ Cohen, who's going to give us his takes. And more than just the bean pot, we're going to, it's an excuse to talk about the players that were in this tournament. So it'll be a little bit broader perspective, but it'll be good to hear about those guys. And this episode, as a reminder, is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. Follow at hockeypodnet for more great podcasts on hockey. You can use DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. More on that in a bit. And we're also proudly sponsored by Fantrax, the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play. It is completely customizable for however you want to set up your league from scoring categories, an amazing draft room, to host the draft, traffic trading, and a treasury option, plus so, so much more. Use our promo code to sign up for a free league using this link. Fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. All right, we're going to bring on Russ in a minute here, but there was one guy that he wasn't so sure about, so I figured I'd just mention him here. Harvard Harvard had, I think, the most disappointing bean pot of the four teams. They did not do so well. I don't think they have the star power that they once had, but they have one sort of interesting guy, and that's defenseman Ryan Healy. He's a six foot, 172 pound right handed D, drafted by the Minnesota Wild in 2022 in the fourth round. He's kind of a late birthday, May 19th. Sometimes that can matter in terms of being a little behind. The aging curve, he was drafted at the USHL. Then he went to Harvard for his freshman season. Didn't score a ton of points, but, you know, did okay in other ways. And this season, he's up to 20 points in 23 games. So that's pretty good in terms of boosting up his scoring. He also does pretty well for Pris. I mean, he plays almost 25 minutes a night. Tons of power play time. Again, Harvard doesn't really have the high-end prospect to take that time. So he's getting it, which is nice. He's getting almost a block and a half and a hit and a half per game to go with three shots. So, pretty good perfs for Ryan Healy. Looking at his hockey prospecting, it doesn't look amazing. He kind of is in that sub 5% range. He actually looks a bit like Wyatt Kaiser in this model, who is breaking into the NHL, getting some, you know, decent uh, third pairing time for Chicago. In the PNHLE model, he's spiking up to 60 point potential. So, you know, just, someone to know on the weakest team here Ryan Healy may end up in a deep league he may be someone who you grab he's at a premium position right-handed d and may end up you know if you if you can just flex him into your lineup and get some good prefs, especially in contract leagues why not
2: all right so now it's time to get into the show we're going to bring back one of our favorite guests reoccurring guy on the show and that is Mr. Russ Owen from Sportsology Russ welcome back to the show good to have you on my friend
0: hey good thanks pete thanks victor
2: so we had the the first two mondays of february are a big deal in boston for college hockey it is the beanpot tournament that's been going on for over 70 years i just got tuned into it a few years ago i didn't really know about its existence it's difficult to get coverage of of ncaa hockey in canada but god bless tsn they showed the game so i was able to watch my terriers make it to the championship game and then blow it in glorious Maple Leaf style fashion, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that. So did you had a chance to watch some of the, some of the games, and you've been watching these guys all year too, right? So you've got context yes. on these players just beyond the tournament, but we're going to use the, the tournament as a catalyst to talk about some of these, basically almost all-star teams. These, these guys are loaded. So let's start with, let's start with the champs Northeastern winner of five. Of the last six Beanpot tournaments, yeah, they have not o- few
0: of them. it's amazing. Like they're on a roll. Oh. They, they, you know, they may not crush it in the Frozen Four or anything like that, but for some reason, for this, they get up for it, and you know, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing.
2: This run, and this the Beanpot is like a bucket list tournament game. I, I've got to go to at some point in my life. I, I've never been to Boston either. That's also on my bucket list. But I
1: mean, yeah, the, the world's
0: a really good place,
2: right? So I've so I've been
0: told the world juniors overrated, is great overrated for pizza though they don't have great pizza
2: well i've been to new york and chicago so i don't i don't know if boston's on my pizza radar
0: no but they think it is.
2: yeah okay <laughs> so anyways let's get into some
1: guys here
2: victor i think you're you're up first Talk about northeastern who's on your who's on your radar
1: yeah i picked up some guys to talk about and by the way, I had to double check when you wrote in the show notes that they won five of the last six. I could not believe that, considering the strength of BU and BC lately. So oh, yeah. it's surprising. So my the first guy I wanted to ask you about, Russ, is Michael Fisher. He's a San Jose Sharks draft pick. six two, pounds right-handed D. Kind of a, a late birth date, May 2nd, so kind of young for that draft year. He was taken in the third round by the Sharks in 2022. Drafted out of high school, which yeah. I remember when they made this pick, I was thinking like, who? I Certainly don't follow that circuit very well. And then he went to the USHL and had an injury-riddled season. Didn't really play much. 14 games for Youngstown. And so it was kind of a lost season. And then this year, he's at Northeastern. Hasn't really scored much. Two points in 27 games. So that is, you know, obviously hard to get any kind of equivalency when you're basically not scoring. But I know the Sharks liked him a bit. And so what can you tell us about Northeastern's Michael Fisher?
0: Yeah, I did like him in his draft year, and I made sure I, I videoed him a little bit at the draft. I was happy for the kid. I do try and follow some high school players, ones that I feel like could have a future in the NHL. And I think he's, you know, what you're talking about is probably like a a five or a seven in the NHL. He skates well. I don't think there's a ton of offense there, but I think like his zone entries are good. He's smart. He's got a frame that you know you could put some more muscle on, and I think he's going to just turn into one of those college. Uh, defensemen that come into the nhl and uh can play a certain amount of games they start off as a depth guy and then usually there's injuries and all of a sudden they work their way in and i think i think he'll be one of those guys he's pretty smart and and he knows what he is and i think that's important
2: all right so watching the game there is a player who stood out to me on a number of occasions and quite frankly i've never heard of him he's an undrafted player he was number 29 for Northeastern, and he was really driving the bus for them offensively. He's not their leading scorer, but he was pretty dominant in in the game. And his name is Justin Riscovian. And for anyone who wants to look him up on on Elite Prospects, his last name is spelled H-R-Y-C-K-O-W-I-A-N. And somehow you get Riscovian out of that. So he's 22 years old. He's a little undersized, 5'10", 194, not, not detrimentally so. And as I said, he's an undrafted, free agent. He's been scoring at a point per game in his career in the NCAA. He's a junior right now, so he's in his third season. And he scored 3 points for his Harvard in the game to get them in and he was dominant offensively in the win over Harvard. Could this be a guy who is a free agent target as soon as the end of this the school year?
0: I don't think so. I think he's going to be a free agent guy. I think I think he's where he is for a reason. Like he's excelling for no question. But when, you know, the more you watch him, the more you try and figure out what is he going to be at the NHL level? It doesn't help that he's 5'10". He does a lot of things. I mean, he does score. His, his all-around game is good. His skating is good. But nothing's great. Nothing's like off the charts where I say, oh, okay, if you put him on and let's just say the Devils, you know, he definitely could play the third line there. Like, I don't know. I don't know how many third lines he could crack. In the NHL in the future, right? So I think teams are, aren't going to jump at him yet. I think they're going to they're going to play the long game and just let him go out through it. Let him go one more year and see if he keeps it up. Because like, if he was 6'2", yeah, then you have a better argument. This is where the 5'10 argument kind of comes in because it's like he's like a tweener. I don't know where to put him.
1: Yeah, definitely with those undersized guys. Well, the next guy is not undersized and he's... Cameron Lund, six foot 192 pounds, pretty big kid. Another San Jose Sharks pick. I swear I didn't pick these just because they were sharks. They were just the most interesting ah. ones up on northeastern. But sure, <laughs> big size. Another second, another 2022 pick, second round by the Sharks. Really late birthday, June 7th. I remember when they picked him, and I was thinking, yeah, this guy's got a good frame, and he scored pretty well in the USHL. There's, it seemed like he was really raw. Like there was potential there, but like he he needed to, you know, he had to see how things were going. Well, it's gone pretty well. It, you know, his first season at Northeastern last year, twenty three points in thirty five games was not bad. This season, almost a point per game, twenty five points in twenty six games. He's plays over twenty minutes a night, almost four minutes on the power play. Riffs are pretty good. Almost a hit and a block per game. The blocks are insane for a forward. Like he he blocks a lot of shots, and three shots per game is pretty good. Looking at some of his like equivalencies, not so good in the hockey prospecting model, but his PNH looks like it might be around sixty, fifty-five to sixty, which you know I guess that'd be a pretty decent outcome. I think the Sharks pro- probably see him more as like a bottom six, you know, center or forward, depending on he isn't taking too many faceoffs from what I could tell. But Russ, why don't you tell us what you know what you've seen from Cameron Lund?
0: Yeah, I, I did follow him in the USHL, and I thought he was really good. I remember him in the Auburn <laughs> prospects game. I remember. Not being surprised when he got picked, I think there's a chance he's going to be a center. We'll see what happens with that. But either way, he's kind of a horse. He I like his zone entries. He's hard to to hold back as a skater. He's got good speed, but he's also physically strong, and I think he'll get stronger. That's why you could look at him as a as a bottom six guy and say either as a center or wing. You know, he could be a guy. He's, like you said, he blocks shots. He could be out there late in periods. You'll get some offense out of him for sure. Uh, he's a smart player, but the strength is really good with him like it's really he's a guy that's hard to hold back once he once he gets things going and I, I like that about him. I think he I don't think he's too tricky. I think he's you know a straight ahead kind of guy I think the speed's good and and he has a decent shot. I don't think you know he, at the NHL level if he makes it, I don't think you're looking anything more than 30 35 points, but I think he could be an NHL.
2: Yeah, Lund, Lund was hard to miss at times in the game. Yeah. He's he uses his size to his advantage quite nicely and he's got pretty decent hands too, so I could see yep. him being being pretty projectable. Another guy that stood out on at least two occasions was the player with the best name in college hockey, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, left winger yeah, that- for prospect for the Nashville Predators. He's a 2020 7th round pick, so you know, he doesn't have that draft golden ticket where he's going to get every opportunity in the world to make the team. And he's a little bit on the, on the slight size too. He's 5'8, 174. You know, his, his, his comps are, are nothing really particularly exciting. And his projectability is like his star potentials is less than 5%. His NHL probabilities is less than 30%. But then he goes and scores the overtime game winning goal to get Northeastern to the, to the Monday night game. And then he does it again. He doubled down on the overtime game winning goal. So we're talking Mr. Clutch here, and that's a pretty hard thing to quantify. But I know it's something that that teams like players who can deliver when it matters most. And, you know, I I haven't seen a lot of him play. He hasn't played internationally very much that I've seen, so you know, this was a very, very, very small sample size. I watched him two weeks in a row here and he scores you know huge clutch goals. Is that is that his bag? Is he doing this all the time? Or is this like well, uh, no, I think lightning in a bottle? Clutch.
0: Yeah, I from what I remember of him and definitely now, definitely a clutch player. Kind of reminds me of like Rocco Romaldi, who's still playing, who had moments in the NHL. And I think this guy is really more of a quadruple A guy. I like him. He's strong in the offensive zone. His speed's pretty good. He's feisty, so you could see where if Nashville gets him, he could be an important guy in Milwaukee for them, and be the occasional call-up. And I think that's what you're looking at. And I think that's why they drafted him where they drafted him. And I think you know if he makes the organization, he's an organizational depth guy.
2: Yeah, and he's 5'8", but you know, watching him play, he didn't, he didn't look light or as a pushover. No. So you know, there's there's a difference between being the small player and being a short player. And he's sure, short.
0: finding a spot for him. Like, I don't think he's a fourth line guy. I think he's got more of the third line tools, but then being able to stick on a third line in the NHL, then, you know, you are going to have to score a certain amount. Sure. And I think that's where it it might get, that's where the rubber might hit the road. Because it's nice to have a clutch player, but you're still going to have to have, even a bit more consistency. And so that's where we'll see where that part of his game goes. But that's the hard part if you're that five foot eight guy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's move on to the last Northeastern guy. And this is the goalie. Cameron yeah. Whitehead, so winner of the beanpot. And so you like that. 20 uh, 6'3, 172 pound, 2022, fourth round pick by Vegas. He's also a really late birthday, June 13th. So he's been pretty young each year he's played. He was drafted out of the USHL for the Lincoln Stars. And he also went back there for D plus one year. This season at Northeastern, he's been really good. Um, 13, 10, and 2, 9, 12 save percentage. He was really good in this tournament with nine, fifteen save percentage. His equivalencies don't look super good. If you look at the hockey prospecting model, he's like a 16% chance of making it. One thing, though, is that the the... There's not like an error apparent, I would say, in terms of the goalie of the future in Vegas. They have a bunch of guys that are decent. So I'm not sure exactly where he fits in, probably near the middle or bottom. But what do you think about Cameron Whitehead in Vegas? So what, what do you have kind of thoughts on him?
0: Well, Vegas plays three, four goalies every year, so he might fit in. And I think that's where maybe the model doesn't, he can't do it with Vegas because they do use a bunch of different guys. It just seems that way the last couple of years. They call themselves the goalie factory. They do know what they're doing there. And, and he is a good goalie, man. He's got a really good glove hand. He's got a little bit of size. What's he like? 6'2". So that's good. That right. bodes well for him. He, I think he's fast up and down. I like his quick covers. He's got a very steady glove. I like him in traffic. They were really trying to jam the net on him, and it didn't really bother him. So I just, yeah, I look at him and I say, okay. What has Northeastern done lately? So I remember I, I did go to the Bean Pop when Caden Primo was just amazing. Even got hurt in that game and finished out the game. Caden Primo is going to play in the NHL. He's playing already. Is he a starter? We don't know. But he's going to play in the NHL. So then we look at Devin Levi. He's going to be a starter in the NHL. Will he stick? Maybe. So last few years, they've Northeastern's had a really good record. Of getting guys into the nhl and i think he's going to make it too i just don't know exactly what he is yet
2: yeah those are some pretty good comparables there all right that's let's let's get on with the good stuff here let's talk about the boston university terriers hold on i
0: mean you know (laughs) you're talking about your terriers the good stuff my mother actually went there in the 50s and actually saw the you know them play back then the boston bruins back then but it's just funny that you're calling them your terriers that's what i'm making i'm laughing at that
2: you know why right because that's what my dog is the boston oh caregiver. okay all right yeah all right so i guess we got to start with Macklin labrini uh, a lot of a lot of lip service has been paid tribute to this guy already we all know he's going to be the first overall pick in 2024 he's only 17 years old he's dominating the ncaa at a rate like i've never seen is there any chance to see him returning to the NCAA in his D plus one season? Or you, he's he's going straight to the NHL, right?
0: No, he's he's going to the NHL. I do think we've seen guys have these NCAA seasons. I don't think we can say uh we've never seen it before because we have when we're starting to see guys now coming in as true freshmen and, and really doing well. Last couple of years especially. So he's just another one and he, he's really good. What makes him really good is his a play away from the puck and his all-around game is already solidified. So you don't have to worry about that part about him. So knowing that he's not going to make many mistakes, he is somebody to worry about in the offensive zone. He's got a great rush shot. But when he's around the net, if there's a loose puck, he's there. And he's got just enough size. He's getting stronger. He Who's smart to go to college because he could really work out this year and get stronger more than you can do in a year in junior hockey. And it's all going to help him. So This is a pretty big deal. And yes, he, you know, I mean, you know, you aren't going to look back at crazy numbers. Go look at Paul Correa. There's guys that had crazy college seasons, but he's having a good year. I mean, I don't want to take it away from him because I think he's a heck of a guy. I remember watching him, you know, with the Chicago uh, Steel and, you know, it was a couple of years ago and we were like, wow, you know, watch this guy play. So he's living up to expectations. He's got nothing to worry about in the draft. But you wouldn't know that he's not playing like he's got it all wrapped up. Like I'll give you an example: when I went and scouted John Tavares, he he was kind of bored. The game that I went to, like on faceoffs, he was kind of bored. He was already in that, you know, in the league for so many years, and so like I could see the talent because he would turn it on and turn it off. But he was already bored there. Celebrini can't be bored because he's playing against much older players, much heavier players. And and he's doing great. So, yeah, big year for him. And definitely we'll have a chance at the Hobie and all of that. And and that's great. I mean, that falls in line. You know, again, there's been a lot of great college players lately. You know, you go go back to the Kael cars. You can go back to Jack Eichel. There's you know, if you want to start pulling out some stars in the league, there's been more stars, I think, in the last you know decade playing in the NHL than, than really, unless you go back to like the Korea era, then there was a, there was a long time in between where I don't think there were as many, but now we're getting a lot of identifiable players. You want to count Jonathan Caves on the end of that. You can quite a few and it's impressive.
2: Another very dynamic young player at, at BU is Lane Hudson, Montreal, Canadiens defenseman. A lot of, a lot of chatter on him already. He's a, a Twitter star with his highlight moves. He's doing Lane Hudson things in in the games in the Bean Pot where you know he's he's walking the line on the point. He's doing the little spin off and he does that so so well. Really distributes the puck expertly both on the power play in the offensive zone and on the rush creating transition. I mean the guy's got 1.4 points per game. He's dominating the NCAA for his second year in a row now. Is there anything left for him to do at the NCAA or is is he going to sign and turn pro when when the school year's over and and if he does when he does turn pro this year or next, you think he's he's likely going to need a significant amount of American Hockey League seasoning, too.
0: It's a good question. I think I think he is going to turn pro. I always advocate for American Hockey League seasoning, and I think that that's that's the way to go. I think that's that's what you should do. That's what most players should do. So that's what I think is going to happen. But yeah, I mean, really strong player all the way around, probably not a ton more to do at the college level,
2: right, so fantasy owners can get excited for for his arrival, but you know not not immediately i I kind of agree I think an American hockey league season, or the better part of one would probably couldn't it couldn't hurt,
0: yeah, I mean, I get where like you know, I wouldn't dissuade a fantasy owner from getting him, I would just say. Yeah, just wait a little longer. You'll get a better player.
2: Light the lamps with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, so one less less obvious player who's got a lot less star potential playing for BU is Ryan Green. He's a center 22-year-old Second round pick by Chicago Blackhawks. He had a really good freshman season, 31 points in 38 games last year, scoring a point a game player this year as a sophomore, 27 and 27. The hockey prospecting has his star potential kind of dropping like a stone from his D minus one year to now it's gone from 19 to 8 to 2%. So they have him trending down. The NHL ranking app actually has him going up and his, his, nhl projectability is is above but second line potential and closing in on on first line upside the truth is probably somewhere in between but then with chicago loading up on prospects as they're rebuilding their their organization what do you think the projection is for his nhl potential and upside russ
0: yeah second or third line i don't think first i like him i think his speed's good i really like what he can do in the defensive zone he's got a very active stick and he's smart. That helps lead to offense. I think he's another guy when he plants himself in the offensive zone is he's hard to move. I like his shot. I think his production's been really good. And I just can't, I can't say first line. I think that's too lofty of a of a goal. But I, I say second, maybe as the as the high point and third as the, I think he's going to make it. So, yeah, I mean, again, like you said, Chicago's been loading up. He's doing better than last year. He's taking less penalties, which is good because he gets a lot of opportunity out there. So there's there's nothing not to like, but there's going to be a time where where he does meet, where the rubber does meet the road for him. I don't want to keep using that because then I'm going to sound like Tony Romo with leverage in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to try and get away from that. But there is going to be a time where he's going to get to the point where he gets to Chicago and they have a lot of talented prospects. And now he's got to really battle again. So that day is coming for him,
2: you know. Is his offensive skill set good enough to to, to hold a second line role? Because you know, I, I watched him a little bit this weekend here, and you know, it was there's skill there, but he wasn't like he didn't seem dynamically offensive.
0: Not yet. So unless you know something, there's a little bit more of an uptick, which there might be, because I think he'll go back for another year, and then I think the Blackhawks will sign him. I think, I think there's still. Another level, like when he played for Green Bay, I remember him, and and he was a little bit more of a contributor there. And I think he's certainly, you know, showing playmaking, which you want to do as a center, and certainly can play defense. So definitely could be a third line center. But he's going to have to score more. You're right to be that second line center, and that's what we're going to find out.
1: All right. So another defense, another BU player to talk about, defenseman Tom Villander. He's, yeah. uh, if I remember correctly, he's usually playing with Hudson. And so, anyways, he's six foot 179 pound right handed D. He went from playing in Sweden in the J20 to SHL games, but mainly in the J20 to NCAA this season. Had the silver medal with Sweden at the World Juniors. So far this season, 15 points in 26 games. He's just under 20 minutes time on ice, 1935. No power play time. That's going to Hudson, naturally. And pretty good blocks, 1.3 blocks per game, half a hit. Not quite getting a shot per game, so definitely not the biggest in that sense. But I've always thought of Villander as as a way better in real life defender than fantasy producer. I think he's someone that will probably help the Canucks more than he helps your fantasy team. His equivalency right now looks like a 40-ish point defenseman. I don't even know that he's going to hit that. I think it's probably a little bit lower than that. But Russ, what do you think of Tom Villander? Do you agree that he'll, he might be better in real life?
0: He will be. I mean, again, he's not going to be losing time to Hudson like this. Now, he will lose it to Quinn Hughes. That's fine. But right now, it's hard for him to show what he can do when Hudson's sucking up all that prime real estate. But he's a better defender than Hudson. And he's a better projectable NHL defenseman than Hudson. So if you ask me, who am I choosing for a fantasy draft? Because I want this guy to be in the NHL for a long period of time. I'm still going to take Willander over Hudson and hope that yeah he's getting a lot of five on five assists and other things Hudson I know is the more dynamic scorer and has gotten stronger but Willander is just an incredible defenseman smart fast zone entries great hockey IQ even Sandin Pelika in their draft year knew that he was the more offensive guy but knew Willander was that guy on his heels and could be better and even said that so Willander is probably that kind of guy that's just his offense is going to keep getting a little better. He's already got a lot of the defensive game figured out because he's got the puck a lot of times, and you never really see him lose the puck very much. And I, you know, noticed, I, I noticed that very good at keeping the puck in the offensive zone too, and not letting it go the other way. So super impressed. He, unlike Hudson, could go in the NHL right away. So the year that he's ready to go, he probably goes. And 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 that's just because. Hudson's got more things to work on strength and, and, in the offensive zone. Like I said, and that's why I felt like the AHL is more projectable for him. Willander, I'm not even sure he needs the AHL.
1: Yeah. He, I mean, Willander definitely strikes me as the type of player that that a coach doesn't worry about. Right. I mean, you might worry about certain, like, you know, Hudson can, can make you a little squirrely at times with some of his decision-making and and yeah. some of the things he tries, which is, you know, it's great. He's dynamic. He has great skill, but Volander is just is just so solid, right? Like, you know what you're going to get. You, you put him out in any situation. I wonder if there are any, this isn't exactly true, but I wonder if there are any rhymes with, like, a Brock Faber type, you know, who's just so solid defensively. No, there
0: is. I, I think there's some vibes there for, for Brock Faber that you could put on Volander that I, I think hold true, and I think that's, you know, the the, the way the skating is, the hockey IQ, the zone entries, Way he could play a lot of minutes and not really deteriorate, you know, not mentally deteriorate. I think those are some of the things we're seeing out of favor now. So, yeah, I think when Willander gets to the NHL, he could be one of those Calder candidate guys simply because they're going to rely on him. Rely on him a lot. He's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to be good. going to be really good. He's really good now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was a bit of a standout too, right? Like he doesn't do the flashy oh, yeah. things that, that Lane Hudson does, but. Man, he just, he's on the right side of the puck all the time. All and, the time. and his hockey sense seems smart. His, his mobility was excellent. He's got strength. He's got offensive upside as well. A lot, yep. lot to like on that player's file. Another guy that kind of stood out to me as well is another Montreal Canadiens prospect, coincidentally. And that would be Luke Tuck. And he's a six foot three, 203 pound forward. He's 21 years old. He's a second round pick by the Canadiens. And, you know, we just did an exercise where we're working on our organizational prospect rankings. And and Luke Tuck was like way down on the top 15 list for Canadians prospects, despite the fact he's a second round pick. And I'll be surprised if he's on everyone's top 15 list. You know, Montreal's got a lot of good prospects, not to take anything away from Tuck. So he's in his senior year. And he's been a half a point a game player. The last two seasons in the NCAA, which would explain why he's not really on a lot of people's radar. That's that's underwhelming offensive production. But, you know, now he's a senior and he's closing in on a point a game. He's got 23 points in 27 games. And like I said, he was he was a bit of a force in the game in the win over B.C. to get them into the the late game on the second Monday there. Do you see Montreal signing him? Because like this is it's going to have to happen by August 15th or or he's going back into I guess not in the draft to become a free agent. So do yeah. you think do you think Montreal will sign him or do you think we'll see him as a free agent?
0: No, I think we're going to see him as a free agent. I think Montreal probably lost their chance at it last year. I you know, Luke was always going to be Alex's brother who can't score like Alex, right? That was always going to be the thing. But I think since then because you know, I remember watching Luke years ago in the USHO with the NTVP. and in the offensive zone, he was good, but it took him a while to get there. And the hockey IQ wasn't so great. And so I think all these years now in college have really helped him. And I think they've helped redesign his game. So now he looks like, yeah, you know what? I think I could bring Luke Tuck in. And I think he's a fourth liner that can play defense and get me some points. Now on some teams, he might be a third liner. But I think now because of that, the way he's showing defensive responsibility, the way he's showing a better hockey IQ, straight line speed, he's not the fastest guy, but his straight line speed is good. And he still has a pretty good shot that I think the teams that, you know, roll lines because they do want offensive four lines, he could play that way too. So I think, I think there's quite a few teams that would want him. And I think why in his, you know, in in my mind for him, why go to Montreal? They have all of these guys. He may be able to get on a better team that just needs this kind of player now. And that's where I think he's going to have a, a, you know, pick of the litter a little bit.
2: Right. So you think there'll be a lot of interest and he'll be behooved to sign with the team that has less depth, like, I don't know, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah. I mean, Islanders. there's a lot of people that scout the the bean pot, right? And right. so uh, especially a team, even like the Bruins who need center yeah. help. And he's a center, right? So look no further than the Bruins, maybe giving him a call and saying, "Hey, kid, you know, would you like to play for us?" Right so on. that's that's the whole thing. so i I think I'd be surprised if he ends up with Montreal.
2: yeah, another uh, free agent, this guy's an undrafted twenty three year old. It's the goalie Matthew Caron. He looked pretty good for for b u. He didn't look uh he didn't look too bad at all. He's played the last two seasons at Brown. And he's come to the Terriers this offseason in the transfer portal there. His numbers at Brown were good. And they're pretty similar to what he's putting up at Boston. But the big difference is the wins. He's getting a lot more wins at BU than he was at Brown. And I guess the big knock on him is for goalies, he's a little undersized. He's just six feet tall. Do You know, he doesn't have the draft pedigree to force him some NHL attention. I would be surprised if he's never been invited to an NHL rookie or training camp. But you know, he's he's never drafted and he's unsigned. Is is there any chance you could see him playing his way into a contract? I mean, goalies are voodoo. Just ask Tim Thomas and Jordan Bennington, who kind of came out of nowhere.
0: I think he's done just enough that he will get a contract. What what year is he in? I forget. Is he his third?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's
0: a He's another one that's gonna have to wait until he's done as a senior. I I do cover, you know, some ECHC games out of Princeton each year. I try and get up to as many as I can. Some years I'm successful, some I'm not, and I just get to a few. But I've seen him with Brown, and he's pretty good. I think his his arc is an NHL backup. But I think more teams now are willing to sign more goalies because it's better to get a guy like this and have him as your backup for for two three years than having to pay like a you know a professional backup like an extra three million on the cap. You know, so I think. I think he will. I think he's done just enough. I think his stick's good. I think his glove is fast. I think he he does cover enough net. I just don't see any kind of star power with him. That's all.
2: Yeah. All right. I think this is our last BU guy. Yeah, last BU guy. So Jack Harvey, the player you want to talk about, and I'm really glad because I'm I'm curious about him. So he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the seventh round, 2023. He's 20 years old now, a little undersized as well, 5'10", 176. And despite the fact that he's 20 years old, he's a freshman at BU. And he's really been injured almost the whole entire season up until the last stretch. He's only played eight games this year. I don't um, think it got-
0: all no injury. The way they were talking about it was when he came off the injured list, like Pandolfo wasn't sure where to put him in or how to oh, put really? him in. I heard all
2: a little right. All right. Well, yeah, he's he's getting prime minutes in in the tournament and and on Monday night's game, he's following. A... Why,
0: why do you think that is, Peter?
2: Because he looked good. No, because
0: he has a history at Chicago Steel with Macklin Celebrini. Ah. They were both they were the two best players on that team back in the day. So there's a great knowledge of each other, and I don't think you're going to see them apart. For the rest of the year, because they know each other that well, he's he's fast, he's smart. I think, and I could be wrong. I think the reason that he's 20 and he's in there now is because he had to go back during the pandemic to the USHL. I think that was the the issue with him. You could double check. Oh, right,
2: yeah, there was no Ivy League, right? Right. So, but I liked
0: him. I, I mean, he helped set up that first goal. He definitely can play with Celebrini. He's got speed. He's good on defense. He could be a spark plug. He's got talent. And so this is a guy now that I think is gonna start gaining a lot of momentum. And then I think people will start bitching that how did Tampa get him at some point. Because I think he'll be a good player, not not great, but I think he could he could possibly make it to the NHL someday.
2: Well, playing with Celebrini will will help. Oh. And you know, being able to play with elite players like that is is a quantifiable skill. Not everybody yeah. can can do that. Being able to keep up and support and cash in on those players' attributes is valuable.
1: It um, is,
0: but I can give you the flip side. I don't know if you remember our name, Danny Rusin. He played back in the day with Sidney Crosby, Victor. Look up Danny Rusin. I think it's R O U S S I N. Tell me how many points he had with Rumuski. I want to say he maybe had like you know 120 points. And I remember I was dying to see this guy play, and I finally got to see him play. In Manchester, because we were out in Manchester. I was out with Shane Malloy. We were out seeing like East Regional games. We took in an AHL game there. And there's Danny Rusin. I finally can get to see him. He wasn't so good on his own. Danny Rusin on his own was a pretty basic player. But with Sid, he was great.
1: He had two seasons. Sorry, three, se- three seasons with Ramouski, But the last two were basically two points per game. 117 <laughs> and 66 and 116 and 69. <laughs>
2: Well that's that's BU. Let's let's talk about BC. Victor, you're up here. I've been hogging all the all the airtime with BU.
1: Yeah, all right. Let's talk about BC. And we're going to start with the goalie Jacob Fowler, Montreal draft pick, third yeah. round, just recently 6'2", 214 pounds He won the USHL title last year with Youngstown. That was pretty cool. He also won gold with the Americans at the World Junior. Only played 3 games. Uh, some of the goals were a little fluky that he let in, but overall I thought he looked pretty pretty good. And this year for Boston College, he's been great. Twenty wins, five losses, nine twenty-four save percentage, two point two three GA. All of that looks pretty good. His his hockey prospecting, he's kind of in that thirty percent range, which is pretty good. He he kind of compares to Drew Camesso, you know, in that US USHL USNTDP going to NCAA mold. You know, obviously we don't know the full outcome there, but. Yeah. Anyways, what do you think of Jacob Fowler? I think the upside there is probably a little higher than someone like Fowler. What What do you think of him?
0: Oh, you mean the Camesso? I think the is what? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I also looked him up on Instat where his like key saves, I forget what they call that percentage was 85% on Keisha. Uh, yeah, 85% scoring area saves. And I think I like that stat because I've seen him do that. Now, what you're saying about the World Juniors, was there a little flukiness? Yes. Well, how was he in the shootout? I don't know.
1: Amazing that
0: shootout win was unbelievable, and he yeah. and he won that game for him. That was an important game. Yeah, like that turned out to be really important. So even though he wasn't the number one guy, he still put his stamp on that series, even as a backup. You don't see that a lot from a backup. You know what I mean? And sure, what's his name? Augustine getting sick helped, right? But he took advantage of it. The other thing is, I mean, here's a quick story for him. Last year at the draft. I was trying to get an interview with him leading up to the draft. Never could do it, and that's because he was winning all those titles, had a parade in Youngstown, did all those good things. Right? All of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's like maybe an hour before draft day two. And here it is. It's Jacob Fowler. He goes, "I know you've been trying to get me. Can you interview with me now? I feel really bad." I'm like, "No, let's do it." And I scribbled like on like on a napkin. I think I don't. You know, I was just. (laughs) I think I just come out of getting food. And I did this and I quickly put up something about Fowler because I said, this is like the best day two goalie. Like This is the kind of guy that teams dream about to be able to get on day two, that he has that kind of pedigree. And sure enough, you know, Montreal gets him, and Fowler looks really good. And I think he's a guy that we're eventually going to see. He Maybe he battles Caden Cremo in the future, or maybe he just wins the job outright, but he's, People kind of ripped him in his draft year because they were like, ah, oh, he's spongy, he's not in great shape or whatever. He didn't know how to train. He didn't know how to eat right. He does now, and he's at an elite program. So give him another year or two at that program, maybe a year in the AHL, and you're going to see him in the NHL.
1: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. That was the game that Augustine was sick for and Fowler. I remember saying at the time, you know, this may not been the best thing in terms of, like, the Americans having a chance to win with Fowler during regulation but in the shootout there's no question that Fowler was amazingly good and probably better than yes. Augustine and I think if yeah. Augustine would have been in that shootout I'm not sure they win that game so yeah he definitely has that that it factor that big moment like uh, you said high high danger like scoring saves like you, when you when the game is on the line you definitely want Fowler back there he just seems yeah. like he's going to come up with the <laughs> with the meaningful save which is which is kind of a, a difficult thing to track right but it's Some what you need just though, have in the
0: NHL now, right? I mean,
1: yeah. there's
0: a lot of there's a couple of NHL goalies where they're just lights out. Like, you know, you get Vasilevsky, he could be lights out. You get Shisterkin, he could be lights out. Sorokin, you know, there's four or five that could be lights out at times. Hellebuck. But most of the time, you just need to make the key saves. Well, this stat's showing you that Fowler makes those key saves.
2: All right, so I'm back in here. I got a, a player I want to talk to you about. On boston college and he looked pretty good to me in the games that i watched playing on a line with cutter goche and i think it was andre Gesso and that is boston bruins oscar jelvic he's yeah. a 21 year old little undersized 5'11" 179 and he's a fifth round pick from 2021 he seems pretty skillsy to me i like i like what i saw from him. he's got good hands you know, hockey prospecting has him at a 0% probability for a star and a 23% probability for NHL player. And NHL ranking has him projected as a second-line player. What, do you, what What's your your take on on him? Is this a, you know, Boston's got a pretty shallow prospect pool, and I think this is a little bit of a, an underrated player. Is this a sleeper prospect with more upside than people think?
0: Could be. I hate that somebody gets 0%. It's like, don't ever give anybody 0%. <laughs> Everybody's got a chance, man. <laughs> Don't take that away from him. Even in an analytical world, don't do it. 1%.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Give him the 1%, right? Why can't you do that? I look at him and I, I get JFK vibes, and that's for Jacob Forsbach, Carlson back in the day. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of that kind of player, but I think he's a little better. And If you remember, Forsbach and Carlson, we all were kind of waiting for him to hit, and he never really hit. I think with this guy, he's got a little bit more chance because I think... I think his wrist shot's got a little bit more on it. Like, when he wires it, seems like he, could, he can get it from close up or far away. It's hard to score that far away wrist shot. But a lot of times, in the you know, if you get to the NHL, that's where you're going to have to score it from, is from, you know, 15 feet. Because sometimes, you know, you're going to shoot it, and there'll be a screen there, and you're going to get a, a chance at it. But I like him. I think he's around the net a fair amount. He plays a lot of minutes. I think there's a chance.
1: So this was kind of interesting because I've been interested in this player for a while, and that's Eamon Powell. He's yeah. a 5'11, 172-pound right-handed D twenty twenty fourth fourth round pick by Tampa. The reason I think I'm kind of interested in him is well, for one thing, that Tampa prospect system is awful because they're such a good team and they've been competitive for so long. So he's someone that I could see easily rising. He's the senior he's the captain this year at BU. He's playing big minutes. I'm I'm a little confused looking at his has his points because it's kind of gone all over the place. Has he was at the U.S. national team and then he went to BU for the or sorry BC for the first his first season had 14 points in 24 games. Then he went down to nine points in 38, and then he's crept back up to 19 points in 27 games. So I don't I don't really understand that up and down. Maybe that was just a down year for for BC, but he he doesn't really have much in terms of the hockey prospecting model doesn't love him that much. But the, his PNTL is like around 40. And you know, if he could be a 30 to 40 point defenseman in Tampa system, you know, we've we've seen guys like Nick Perbix just kind of come in and and you know get some points by association and put up some decent peripherals. So I don't know. What do you think about Eamon Powell? Is he someone who could be somewhat interesting just based on the lack of depth there in that Tampa system?
0: Well, I mean Purbix had more of a pedigree though. He did. He he was more of a known quantity. Powell has sort of kicked around, but I think. He's a guy that's pretty reliable. You can play him in high leverage situations. I, you know, I think he's a pretty good puck rusher. I think he's a decent defender. I think he's pretty good at everything. So I, I look at him as like a, a bottom pairing chance guy that, you know, you don't know if he's going to play 200 games or not in the NHL, but I could see him playing. And, and then the rest will be up to him. But I, I think you're right. I think there's a little something there. He's always had a little something there. And I think he's quietly, you know, improved his game. Not to the point where you're going to notice and say, oh, wow. Look, I don't think he'll ever reach 40 points. I'm not even sure he gets 30 in the NHL. But I do think he can play. And, and that's the thing. I think he is one of those guys that, you know, is a little bit shorter, but has chance. And I think you're right. I think based on opportunity in Tampa, that's going to help him.
2: All right. So talking about Boston College, you have to talk about the line. Rowe, Leonard, Smith. This has been a dominant dominant line pretty much everywhere they've played. NDTB, World Juniors, NCAA. Good. Yeah, they're all right. So my question for you, though, Russ, is if, if you were doing a fantasy draft right now, how would you rank these three players? Who would you draft first, second, third off that line?
0: Wow, this is, this is. I mean, now, this is like an F Mary kill situation. You couldn't give me an easy question.
2: Well, there's no wrong answer. Like, they're all awesome. Right? So it's just a matter of, I guess, personal preference at
0: this point. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to do it based on what I think they're gonna do in the NHL, right?
2: Well, that'd be good for fantasy, yeah.
0: So I still am gonna take Will Smith one because Will Smith it has that it factor and will score points when you don't think it's possible in a game. He is one of those guys that could have a decent game sort of lay in the weed. And then pull out like two third period points, you know, a goal and an assist. And I've seen him do it too many times. So I feel like if I don't put Will Smith one, I'm betting against Will Smith and I don't want to be on on that side of it. I mean, just look, before they went, the year started. I I remember asking these guys, did they think the line was going to play together in NCAA? And they were like, well, you never know. It's up to the coach, whatever. Then I went up to Will Smith, you know, during world junior camp. And I said, so you told me last year you guys weren't sure if you could play together. How far into camp did you know that was going to hold out and then you would play together? And he goes, two practices, maybe by the third. We already knew we were going to be together. And, And that's the amazing thing about this line. Now, when you separate them all, now they have to swim on their own. And I still have to go Ryan Leonard second because he's getting stronger. He looks like his stride is improving and and he's a guy that can muscle up some goals in the NHL and score for some dirty areas. Perot has made really good strides. I'm higher on Perot now than I was a year ago. I saw him put on some muscle. The skating's still ugly, like it is. The skating is still ugly, but everything else is really great. The hockey brain is great. The hands are great. The strength is getting better. So he may be a, a, a guy that could adapt and, and find his way in, in the NHL that way. He's gonna to have to play on a line that plays with players that either play at his pace or he's like that last guy in and maybe he comes in high, you know, and he starts making things happen either with a shot or with a good pass because he's capable of doing either. But I feel better about him now than I did last year. and if I didn't see him in World Junior camp, then that might not be the case because sometimes you could see things in camp and practice that you don't see in games. And so I feel like seeing that, because the one thing is, look, the U.S. program was very good at making sure Perot played with no other players. He always played with those guys. I even in the All American Prospects game, I think there were two shifts that he didn't play with Smith and Leonard. So how do you grade the guy when he never is away from the other two guys? Like, because we're we're sure about the other two. It's Perot that we weren't sure about, and even in college now, it's the same thing. So even the Rangers are going to have that problem eventually to kind of see where he's going to be away from those guys. It'll be interesting, but I think he can do it on his own. I just think he's probably a second liner.
2: That was a great answer, man. That was a, that was a really insightful answer. Thanks for that. And, you know, quite frankly, this whole, this whole conversation has been really, really insightful and, and awesome. You guys pay
0: me a lot to be on the show. So I just want to let everybody know that these guys pay well, they pay in American. (laughs) So just for your future guests, you know,
2: We we pay love and gratitude. That's our currency. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of love though. Yes, yes. All right, Russ, do me a favor, man. What what do you want to promote? Tell me what books you got going. What's that? What's on sale? Where can you know we can find you on EP ringside? We can find you on your your website is sportsology and you cover a bunch of sports there. Uh, You're you're a regular hit on Sirius XM NHL radio. Where else can people find you, pal?
0: Yeah, they can find me on Amazon there. I do have quite a few books. I have 10. I do have like a Kindle Vela series on the, on the draft.
2: And I was I keep at that today.
0: To and I keep adding to that every year. So that's something that's fun and inexpensive. NHLDraftBuzz.com, though, is my new site. It's only been out for a couple months. Eventually, you'll see Peter Harling's name on there because he won't be on Sportsology. He'll be there because that's where all the uh, draft stuff's going, the list, the stuff. So I've been pre- or backloading it with historical stuff, plus with my list for this year, my first two lists are up there. So, yeah, it's nhldraftbuzz.com. I don't think you'll see anything else like it out there because I've been able to, I've been covering the draft. This is going to be my 21st draft. So, based on that, I've been able to bank a lot of great content over the years. And I go back into like the latest guy now because I do have a good interest in college hockey. I always am more interested in the players. I'm not an expert on actually how good the teams are. I jump in at the end like everybody else and sometimes I get lucky but like Adam Ingram, who's at St. Cloud if people go back and look at this video you could see he was skinnier than Pete and at least from the shoulders I don't know how your gut is now Pete but
2: I, I'm I, no I'm no longer skinny Pete.
0: Yeah. So but the point is you look at him now he's filling out nicely and he's having a really good year. He's just under a point a game with St. Cloud and so like that was a guy who I was really high on because I just looked at him and said, "Wow, if he could just get more muscle on them still keep that shot going I think this kid's got the drive to to be good so every once in a while I do that so I've I've done it with three or four players now where I kind of take a look back play an interview from them and it's kind of fun to see
2: do me a favor man tell me a little bit more about your your draft Kindle stories because I I saw that today and I'm not I've never heard of what that is I'm a bit of a Luddite so
0: is is like a serial kind of thing it's more were like love and romance but i worked it out for hockey so in the sense that it's always a draft story right so it's one draft story after another draft story after another draft story so some of the stories that are on there there's a story of the st louis blues when they didn't draft at all there was that story and i got it straight from Emil francis back in the day great story it's hard to believe that a team didn't show up at the draft but they didn't there's another one from the king's perspective some some really just Dynamite stuff that I had gotten from who did I get it from? Pete Weber, who's with Nashville now. But so he he dished me some great draft stuff from that. I think I put my first interview with Alex Ovechkin, which was pre-draft at the 2004 Stanley Cup. I think I included that, and his English wasn't as good as it is now, but it was still a moment because I knew that this guy had greatness in him, you know. And so fun stuff like that. So every year I I had a couple more. So this year I'll definitely add two or three more. And and I think it's fun. I think it's one of those things where once in a while you see a draft book, but you know, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to to just capsulize or encapsulate like fun things at a draft that well, because the draft's just too much going on. And so yeah. that's I like things like this where you can focus on something.
2: Like when Buffalo drafted that guy that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the Japanese uh, guy.
0: Japanese guy. That was great. <laughs> that kind of stuff, I mean, can't happen anymore because the central registry and everything, the way it works. Yeah. But back then you could. And so, yeah, that kind of stuff is fantastic.
2: Russ, it's always awesome to have you on the podcast. We're going to get you on again before we before we see it in Vegas this summer. Or... Yeah, just
0: wire me the money and, and I'll the come draft.
2: On. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put it on your tab. Okay. All right, man. Thanks very much, Russ. Thanks, guys. This has been report number 45. Thanks to our guests. Russ Cohen, he's a repeat offender on the show. We love having Russ on, and we hope he likes coming on as much as we like having him. And I'm sure you enjoy listening to him as much as we do. For feedback on the show, if you want to share it with us, you can follow us or chat with us on Twitter at DPR underscore show is the handle for the podcast. Mine is at Farling P H A R L I N G, and you can get Victor at at Victor Nuno twelve B I C T O R. N-U-N-O-1-2. Or if you have technical questions, our producer is at sabarin 91 Don't forget also to follow Net, all the great podcasts on the network there for your whatever your your hockey cravings would be. And if you're listening to this show, hit the subscribe and, and like button on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Give us a five-star review if you, if you don't mind. And you won't miss an episode. Until next report, Keep your stick on the ice. Let's do that hockey.